So I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Do you know that what the Lord's been putting on my heart for the last few weeks, and there's been a lot of different things, but, you know, this concept of happiness. You know, I talk to people all the time, and they say, I'm looking for happy places. I'm looking for a happy feeling. But they're depressed. You know, I find myself constantly, even in my own life, going, I just want some, you know, can we just all be happy? Can we all just get along? You know, the whole Rodney King thing back in the, in the 90s, it was like, can't we just get along? What is the, what's the problem that is so outrageous that we're going to riot or we're going we're gonna to have some sort of issue in our, in our society, in our lives? You know, one of the things that keeps coming back up to me is the fact that we constantly are looking for a feeling of happiness. But do you know that in the Bible, God talks more about joy, like over a hundred times in the Bible, he talks about joy rather than happiness. In fact, we're going to see what biblical happiness looks like versus what our worldly idea of happiness is here in this 21st century. So we know that... um, we know the Declaration of Independence says that we hold these things true, truth to be self-evident, that all men were created equal, that they all are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, I will tell you this. There are people that think that we need to have a right to happiness, And the problem with having a right to happiness is that happiness is not something that you just obtain. I don't go to Walmart and go get happiness, right? I don't go to the Dollar General and go get happiness. Do you know that every time you pursue something, that means you're chasing it. It's a couple of steps ahead of you. That's one of the reasons why the founding fathers actually wrote this that away is the fact that they said happiness is not something that you obtain. Happiness is something that you go after. Man, there needs to be an amen on that. Let me tell you why. It's because, have you ever been happy? How long does it last? Yeah, you go, hey... I got happy, and then I got sad. Or, hey, I got happy, and then I got mad. Or, I got happy, and I was just there. You know that sadness and and happiness and anger and all these are emotions. And when we have emotional issues, like, let's just say for an example, that, you know, we had to turn the clocks back. You know, we had to, we actually had to turn them back. How sad would that be, right? You got to get up an extra hour early. Oh, that actually happened to me today. I was sad when I woke up this morning. You know that an emotion is something that will come and go. And it has to do with what we are trying to obtain. You know that in our emotional state, we need to understand who we are so that we don't get so that we don't just follow after emotions, but we follow after who we are. 
So I'll just give you an example. So my name is Dustin Cornelius, right? Well, no matter if I feel happy, sad, mad, it doesn't matter. I'm still a Cornelius. It's on my birth certificate. Um, when I went to go pay my, my house payment, it's on my bills. Do you know that there is nothing that we end up getting through an emotional state? We are who we are. Our identity is who our identity is. Happiness is not a state of being. It's a state of feeling. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a biblical happiness, and I'm going to show you a little bit of the worldly happiness, okay? So it says here, what is biblical happiness? Well, in the Old Testament, we have this word in Hebrew, it's called isher, and it means happy or blessed. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, there is no vision, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Well, what you have to understand is that this word actually means to be blessed. It means that if you live a life that is a part of God's perspective, that you're going to be blessed. And the only way you could do that in the Old Testament was to live by the law. It was the only way. There was no Jesus back then. Jesus had not died on the cross. He had not come and giving us the grace of God. Everybody had to live under the law. Now, guess what? There was only one people that could live under the law. It was the Jews, right? It was the Jewish folks. And so everybody else was not blessed. They lived under, under their own rule. And their rule was, it was okay to murder. It was okay to, to maim. It was okay to do all these other things. But God's law said, hey, this is what is right and this is what is wrong. It was a state of being. It's a little bit like being in the United States. How many people know that, that you don't, the German laws, you don't do any German laws? How many people actually abide by dad, uh, Jack Cornelius, he, he abides by the German laws? No. You abide by the American laws. Well, guess what? It's so much more blessed to live here in America than it is, let's just say, for an example, in Saudi Arabia. Most of the women would have to have your faces covered. That's a law. Well, you don't have to do that in America. By the way, you get to believe what you want to believe here. In some places, it's against the law to believe in Christianity. In some places, it's against the law to not believe a specific type of religion. And see, what I want you to understand is that without a vision, without knowing who you are, without knowing where you're going to go, then you're going to perish. But if you kept God's law back in these days, you actually lived in, the, in sort of a monicum of, of goodness. I know that sounds kind of crazy. If you go and look at the Levitical law, you'll probably be like, wow, that was, there was a lot of stuff. But you have to understand, there was no law everywhere else. People lived. They were afraid all the time. But you know, in, in Israel, they weren't afraid. You know why they weren't afraid? It's because they had a law. If you murdered someone, then you got murdered. Well, that kind of keeps people from going and murdering people, right? 
If you think, hey, I'm going to get murdered if I, or if I'm going to die because I murdered someone. Hey, how about this? How about if you stole something, then you might get your hand cut off. That keeps you from stealing stuff. You know that in every single instance of the law, we have a backing. See, a lot of people think that the law is a bad thing. The law is a good thing because it protects you. So one of the things that the Old Testament did was it showed, hey, you are blessed because you're in a dispensation of a law that is better than every other law. Does that make sense to everybody? Because if you had nothing out, let's say, in Germany, and everybody could be maimed and killed and everything, well, the law of Israel would be something that would say, hey, at least I feel protected in my own home. How about in the New Testament? The Greek word for uh, happy is markarios, and it means well-off, blessed, or happy. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, it says, in verse 13, it says, And who is he whom harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Now, I want you to understand, this doesn't say that because you suffer, you're blessed. Right? This says, even if you suffer for righteousness, then you're blessed. You know why? Because these people that Peter was talking to, they were suffering. And they were going, we're not blessed. We'd be better off if we went back to the old way. Well, guess what? Peter's trying to give them an idealism that they are blessed no matter what happens. So in a biblical sense, happiness doesn't come from what you feel, but it comes from who you are. You are blessed... No matter if you suffer something. Man, I knew that was not going to get a whole bunch of amens. Oh, I'm suffering something. Well, then God must not be blessing me. No, if Jesus is in you, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're blessed. Amen. It doesn't matter what comes at you. You're blessed anyway. You know that Deuteronomy chapter 28, and uh, it basically said, if you do these things, then you're blessed in the law. And if you don't do them, you're cursed. Well, guess what? Jesus came and he blessed us and he became the curse. That means that even if I do it to myself, I might have some issues. You know what? When I, when I go to the, the barbecue restaurant and I put it on, Jesus didn't do that. But do you know that, that even though I've put the weight on or I've done whatever it is to myself, that means that I am, I am blessed because of Jesus on the inside of me. Yes, I will die one day. I will go to heaven. But I also can have things here on earth. You know, on January 1st, I declared health into my body and I declared health into this congregation. Well, guess what happened? My mom back there, she said, I felt strength in my legs. You know, my mom doesn't walk very far. Well, the other day we were up here messing with the computer and having a good old time just trying to get things going. And mom said, well, I'm going to go to Walmart. 
She walked all the Walmart down here. Amen? You know what? Most of the time we would have had to have stopped. We would have had to sit down. We would have had to wait. We would have had, because she couldn't do it. And you may be going, well, Dusty, what does that matter? Well, it matters because in him we have promises. And we are blessed if we receive. She reached out and received. Amen? So this is the thing. Worldly happiness is a feel-good. It's, I'm chasing the feel-good. I'm trying to get somewhere. And there's a couple of things that we, that we know. I'm, I'm about to do the win then. Heather's going to do another serve, sermon on this, and I'm not going into all her stuff. But I'm about to give you three different areas just to show you why people, how people chase happiness. All right, Webster's Dictionary, it says, happy, feeling favored by luck or fortune. Now, if I told you that happiness was just, I feel like I got lucky, most people go, no, no, that's not the way it is. But if you really think about it, the moment you get whatever you got that made you happy for that moment, you think to yourself, man, I'm the luckiest guy alive. Man, it's just... It's hit me. Oh, I've finally come into it, right? So it says, so I've got this like when then statement, right? When I buy a new car, then I will be happy. How many people said that? Oh, come on. Everybody said that. Oh, I'm driving the old car and it's like, you know what? This thing, it smells. It makes noises. It Oh, when I take off, the guy, you know, from the line, the guy beside me, he just blows my doors off. If I had a new car, you know, everybody goes, I'd really like that car. You know, especially the car guys like Matt. I mean, he's got Mustangs and I mean, all kinds of cars. You know, in in my recollection, in my life, I've been around a lot of car people and they love their cars. But there's a couple problems. See, when I get a car, then I will be happy. That's a wrong thought because there's a point where it says here, I got to go make a car payment. You know, that first car payment hurts. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. What in the world? You know what? If you ever have your car break down or you have a wreck or you have some issue, then you have to repair it. Now it just kind of lacklusters, right? Have you ever scratched something you thought, man, I just put the first scratch on it. It's ruined. Now you end up treating it like like you treat everything else. I'll just throw it on the ground. Do you know that your car is the same way? The first cup, somebody comes by you, they park right next to you. You're like, how dare they park next to me? They're going to scratch my door. Well, you give it six months and then you you run up and you you hit their door and you're like, I hope they didn't see that. And you close your door. You know why? Because it's the, the news wore off. It's no longer a new car. You just got the, your old car. Yeah, it's got some bells and whistles you might not have had before. But it's, but it's still going to have to have repairs. It loses value, by the way. How many people know that if you go buy a car today, and even if you tried to sell it the next week, you're not going to make the same amount of money? I don't know, this, this car market, you might be able to. But 
Typically, if you sold it a year later, you're not going to make the same amount of money. You're going to make less money on it. It must be replaced again and again. I can't go buy it one time and then I'm like, oh, I always have a new car. No, we've just established that the moment you scratch it, you're going to treat it like everything else. You know that when you end up having your thing that you got, it may not be a new car. See, I'm a guitar person. I'm looking for a new guitar right now. So I'm, I'm really looking at like Telecasters. That's what I want. Y'all probably don't care. It's okay. But I want a Telecaster. That's what I'm going to get. She already knows. Okay. <laughs> My wife has already given me the A-OK. It's going to be all right. But do you know that, that when I bought this Fire, Gibson Firebird 5 back in 2008, it was, I mean, it was like a piece of furniture. It cost a lot of money. It comes in a case that has, it's almost like marshmallows. Just keep it like all inside of it. Well, I got kind of a belly and my belt sticks out. Well, I scratched the back of it with my belt. Within a month, and I actually was playing for Charlie on his praise and worship team at another church. And I remember that Sunday that I realized I had scratched that guitar. I did not get in the Holy Spirit at all. I didn't play in the Holy Spirit. I didn't do anything. I was mad because my guitar was scratched. You know what? I put a bunch of scratches on it, probably even today. And I'm okay with it. But do you know that the moment that something no longer is new to you, you're not happy. Now, you may not be sad. I was flipping mad when I scratched my guitar back years ago. Go to the next one. All right. When I get my dream job, then I'll be happy. How many people said that? You know, when I was a kid coming up and I was doing technical work and I would work for this contracting agencies and stuff. And so I'm a computer engineer, um, have a master's degree from UAB. I work for the power company as a cybersecurity engineer. And you know, this is where I wanted to be 25 years ago. Okay. But 25 years ago, I, it was almost unimaginable. Oh, when I get that job, that's my dream job. You know what? It all stinks after you've gotten it six months later. After you got a couple paychecks under you and you go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to go buy the extra car and I'm going to go buy the, the, the next thing and I've got all these bills. Oh, we're going to get a new house. Or by the way, I know some of y'all, when, when I was coming up through the ranks, it was, we're about to have another baby. Well, my baby is 16, almost 17 years old. Well, back then it took all my money. I had a new baby. I had new jobs, but all of it was going to pay everything down. Do you know that in, in every single thing that you do six months later, it's all going to stink. You're always going to have to do work. There's no job where you just go sit there and, and it's like, no one ever bothers me. I just make a lot of money. Oh, Vicky has the job. Okay, now I will tell you this, Vicki, you're in sales. I know there's, that's not always true, okay, because you have to understand that there's always going to be a point where there's work that you got to do, okay? The more you make, the more bills you accumulate, 
It's just the truth. I wished, I had a boss that told me one time, I don't know if I believe him, but he said when he was like 30 years old, he decided that he was going to keep all of his bills the same so that he could just save all the money. Now, he did retire at like 50 years old, so he probably did that. He did it better than me, okay? But every time I got a raise, I went and bought something else. You know why? Because I needed it. I was going without. Do you know that, that a job, dream job, dream money, all that, there's always going to be another bill. So also, and this one is something that has been new to me. I, I felt this in the past, but I didn't even know what it was. But it's an actual thing. You can go look it up. Imposter syndrome. Anybody ever heard of imposter syndrome before? Imposter syndrome, for those that don't know, is when you believe that you've gotten a job or, or, or you've gotten this position and that you're not worthy of it or that you're not as good as the other people around you. And guess what? If you've got a new job, you're absolutely correct. In fact, imposter syndrome is something that kicks in for everybody. They go, oh my gosh, could I get fired? Well, I just got these new bills. I don't need to get fired. <laughs> I mean, it, it's truth. You know, I had this salesperson. It's not Vicky's company. So I had this other salesperson that told me one time that he, had, he worked for like a big name technical company. And he said that what they would do is they would take their salespeople they would pay them a good bit of money and then they would start asking them, hey, you know, it would look really good if you drove a Mercedes or a BMW and you went to these places and took these people out. And they would go and people would go, oh, you so, so I, you think I need to get a new car? Oh, yeah, yeah, go get this car. So they would go, oh, no, just go get any car. Go get the AMG. Go get, go get it all, you know, blinged out. Go get the, the 700, you know, whatever the biggest you know, and then they would get it and it would be like, man, that's like a $1,500 a month payment. And then all of a sudden they noticed their boss would go, hey, I need you to do more work. I need you to do more stuff. I need you to go talk to more clients. And, and it would be like, well, now I'm working almost 24 hours a day. You know why? Because the boss got you in debt and then now he could work you to death because you had a car payment. You ain't quitting a job when you got a $1,500 car payment, right? See, this is one of the things that most people don't walk away from their job going, you know what? I need to have my own understanding of what God wants me to do, not what the world wants me to do. Because the world will get you in debt. They'll get you sick. They'll take everything that you've ever had. And we're about to have a train come by. So I may have to stop for a second. Go ahead to the next one. All right, this is the one. And if y'all say no, then I'm going to go liars. Okay? How many people said I want to win the lottery? <laughs> Everybody wants to win the lottery. When I hit the lottery, then I will be happy. Well, guess what? You're wrong again. Statistically, the odds are of winning is one in one set hundred and seventy-five million. You have a chance, Brock. You are the you're the one. 
Okay. But 70% of the people go bankrupt after they have won this money in five years or less. Now, I will tell you, I think I could beat the odds, you know. (laughs) Give it to me, God. Let me see what I can do, you know. But do you know that that one of the problems that you have is you got all this money. Let's just say you have $100 million. Well, everybody and their brother is going to be your friend, your family member. They're going to come out of the woodworks. They're going to be like, oh, I need something. Can you buy me a house? Can you buy me a car? Can you give me, you know, a million dollars? You got a hundred of them, right? Well, then everybody has to go no at some point. Well, so you end up losing your family and your friends. And you may go, well, I would just go find new family and friends. That's harder. That's harder to do than what you think. Because the moment they find out you got $100 million, they'll be your friend. But do you know that one of the problems is, is most people become drug addicts. And usually it's because they lost all their, their connections to people. It's sad there's actually a percentage and, and it's changed over the years, but it was like over 10% of them either die or commit suicide within like 10 years. And it's because they lost everything. I got all this money, but I got nothing to share with anybody. That's a sad place to be. Let's go to the next one. But see, joy... If I have happiness and I'm chasing happiness and I might chase after all these other things, I'm chasing after a job or a car or the lottery or whatever it is. Let's just say it was a friendship. Oh, if I could just be friends with them or if I could just get the right wife or I could just do whatever. Do you know that all of that is only going to be for a time? Do you know that God says that joy is not a feeling, it's a state of being? excuse me so joy is not a feeling it's what we get when we get love so salvation transformation and receiving is what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes in in fact salvation for those that don't know is the word soteria in the greek and it means rescue safety deliverance health salvation and saved See, this is what most people don't understand is that when we got salvation, we didn't just get, okay, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Okay. How many people thought when you, when you got saved, that's all you got is you're just going to heaven. Well, heck y'all are better off than I was because that's the way I thought about it for the longest time. But the moment that I started realizing, well, heck, I get to be rescued from some stuff. You know, I was completely and totally changed as a person. I had ADD and dyslexia. I didn't even graduate high school. You know that I got my GED. Within 11 years, I went from GED to master's degree in computer engineering. You know, in all of that time, in all of the things that, that I did, that, that these particular scriptures that had salvation in it, I would say, I am being rescued I am being delivered. I have health. By Christ Jesus stripes, I am healed of ADD and dyslexia. And you know what? I was. And I went on and I did things that I couldn't do before. 
But it says here in 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9, it says, Whom having not seen you love, um, though, though not you... It's, well, hold on. I'm going to start over. All right. It says, Whom having not seen you love, through now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So the thing is, is that God himself sent Jesus. That was 2,000 years ago. You've not seen Jesus. How many people seen Jesus? All right. Nobody has physically seen Jesus on the earth. Do you know that Jesus himself came? We have the Holy Spirit that comes and talks to our spirit, to our heart, to our belief. And that's how we believe. In fact, in fact, Jesus actually told Thomas, because Thomas was like, I'm not going to believe until I can put my fingers in, his, in the holes in his hands. Okay. Well, Jesus shows up and says, hey, Thomas, here I am. Stick your hand in my side. Stick your fingers in, my, in the holes in my hands. You know what he told him? He said, he said, it is better for those that, that hear about me and do not see me when they believe. Do you know that the reason is, is because we get to see who Jesus is through his spirit, through what he was trying to accomplish in the earth, not by his mannerisms, not by the, the fleshly ideas. You know, if Jesus come walking in, most people wouldn't even know who he was. But if Jesus started acting, if he started laying hands on the sick, if he started preaching, if he started doing stuff, people would go, that's Jesus. You know that, that we didn't know him. But because we didn't know him, we have this joy inexpressible. And it says in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So this word salvation means that our soul is going to be rescued. It's going to have safety, deliverance, health, salvation. It is saved from the world. You know, uh, I've, I've said this multiple times. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, we heard the word, we believed it, and then we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Second... Uh, you know, Second Second uh, Thess Thessalonians five seventeen says that we've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have passed away, and now they become Second uh, Thessalonians, Second Corinthians. So this is the thing. Okay, let, let me let me just say this. All right, I want you to understand that. That we have joy inexpressible. This word joy means having greatly exceeded fullness of delight. Do you know this word is kara in the, in the Greek? We have this thing called grace, right? Well, that word in the Greek is charis. And this is a root of that word charis. It means in the gift of God, we receive joy. You know that when we receive a gift, we have it. How many people know that if I gave you a gift and you held on to the gift, you would have it? Well, you can have that gift forever. As long as it didn't, it didn't ruin or, or didn't do anything. So if God says, I sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise, 
That means I vacuum packed you. I sealed you. I kept it from being able to go bad. Well, you know what happens is that it's with us. It stays with us. It's not a feeling I get because I wake up most mornings and I don't feel like getting out of bed. But I still have Jesus on the inside of me. You know that when I get the grace of God that was given to me through Christ Jesus, I become that new creature. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know what ends up happening is that it's something that doesn't go away from me. It's something I live. It's my identity. The joy that's inexpressible is something that's always with me. I don't have to go try to find it. I'm not trying to chase it down. I'm not trying to pursue it. It is who I am. You know, the joy unspeakable is on the inside of you if you've accepted Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. It says here, joy is what we live from knowing who we are in Christ. Joy is what we give to others. You know that I don't have to give you, like, I'm not, you know, okay, you got Vicki here. Her last name's Jensen. I'm not a Jensen, right? As far as you know, there's no Jensen lineage that's, It's in me. All right. Okay. Well, then guess what? I can't go give people the Jensen lineage. Okay. I can't go and tell them about the history of the Jensen family. I can't go do any of that kind of stuff. All I can do is I can tell you who I am, where I came from, what I was taught when I was a kid. You know why? It's because it's my identity. It's who I am. It's who I grew up as. It's the, it's the people and the places and the love and all of that all wrapped into one. See, happiness is different for other people. I can, I can make you happy by giving, you know, my wife, her love language is, is acts of service. This week, I took all the dishes out of the dishwasher. She was very happy, okay? Very, very happy. Well, I bought her a diamond ring, and she was like, oh, thank you. Now, I could have done that for somebody else. Like, if I was married to someone who they love gifts, their love language was was gifts, and I gave it to them, they'd be like, woo! But I can go out, and I can cut the grass, or I can trim the bushes, or I can go take the... And, buddy, that's what lights her fire. You know that what happens is is that we get into these things of trying to understand who we are through happiness. And we never get there. You're always one step away from happiness. You know what that's called? It's called depression. The moment you can't get what you think you need for your life, then guess what? You live a life that is completely depressed. You end up finding yourself in the midst of, I can never get enough. I can never have enough. I never have the love that I needed. You know why? Because you never fell back on the joy of the Lord, of who your true identity in Christ is. It was, I got to get to that next thing. If I can't get the next thing, then I just don't know what I'm going to do. And most people give up. They stop trying. They stop striving. You know what? The moment I gave up on, I want to be a millionaire. 
every young man, if you if you're truly honest with you, goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna be one of those. I'm gonna be the one percent. Well, you know, the moment that I got out of the mentality of I'm gonna do, I, I've got to make a certain amount of money, I got to have a certain amount of things. You know, the the first thing, the first time that joy inexpressible came and and completely overtook me was the moment I said, God, I just, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing what you called me to do. Because I'm supposed to be Elon Musk kind of money right now. I'm supposed to have all this stuff. And people are supposed to love me. They're supposed to put me on TV. How many people know that in this generation, the number one job that everybody wants to have is influencer? They want to be a TikTok influencer. They want to be a YouTube influencer. They want to have influence through Instagram. You know why? It's because those are the people they look up to. Well, see, people used to look up to soldiers and policemen and firemen, engineers. You know what? We've become a society of going... I want more because the people that I love and I I look up to, they have more. And it's never obtainable. You go find all these millionaires, you go find all these people who've obtained all this stuff, and guess what? You'll You'll find ruined people who don't care anything about life. They either are all about money or they're trying to find themselves. You find them in some sort of Tibetan temple trying to trying to figure out what what is life what is the meaning of life I'll give you the meaning of life you want to know what the meaning of life is how many people want to know what the meaning of life is nobody okay some people okay the meaning of life is to know who you are and when you don't know who you are then you're always trying to find who you are Well, the thing is, Jesus comes in, he completely revolutionizes you on the inside. And what happens is is that if you take on his identity, then now you can live like him with the Holy Spirit. And you no longer have to try to find something else. You know what happens? You go, man, I'm content. How many people know that contentment and joy... Woo! About the same thing. You know, for the longest time, I didn't have contentment. I was striving too much. I was trying too hard. You know, I still have the problem. Everybody has the problem of uh, I I can't just be content. I can't just be who I am. I'm looking for that extra. You know, my kids were talking about they have a new urban dictionary where they go and they they have like words like ick and um, I'm trying to think of some of them Kaylee was telling us last night but anyway you go through and you listen to all these things they're trying to be extra they this is a generation of people who want to be above and beyond well guess what that's no different than the generation that happened in the 60s they didn't want the status quo they wanted to do something else how many people saw Jesus revolution right you go and look at Jesus revolution when you try to get extra you're going to get it They got drugs and died and had all these things. And then Jesus comes in and completely revolutionized a whole generation. 
You know what? We need that now. We need a, a whole generation to go, no matter how many new things that I do, I just can't do it on my own. I need somebody like Jesus. And then they will have joy inexpressible. You know why joy is inexpressible in God? It's because when somebody goes, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm not able to actually tell you how I feel because it's good. What does good mean? It's good. I want everybody to say, I feel good. good. Y'all are James Brown now. All right, go to the next one. So, okay. So more of joy is not a feeling. We went from salvation to transformation. I'm going to try to get faster because I've got to move through these. Transformation. You can only love others properly if you're first loved. In fact, in Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 4, and this is said like five times in the, in the New Testament. It says, For all of the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? How many people know that you can't give what you ain't got? If I ask Brock for a million bucks, hey, Brock, give me a million bucks. He can give me 10. Well, guess what? Well, that's, that's too short. I got to have a million bucks. Well, do you know the same thing is, is that if I'm trying to give love, what am I giving it out of? I'm just telling you guys, it, you know, Jesus wanted us to love as ourselves. I think we're doing it. I think the world is absolutely fulfilling it. Woo! Let's just quit. Let's all go, let's go be home with Jesus because it's happening, right? No. Let me tell you why. It's because what's happening is is that people never got the love and now they're giving back exactly the way they feel. They're giving back exactly the way that they want to. It's all self-centeredness. It's all get what I can, can what I get, and then sit on the can. Pastor Jim McCann used to say that all the time. We used to laugh at him, but that's, that's the truth. You know what? Most people, if you go and ask them, like, you know, the youth nowadays, you go and you talk to youth. My son's different because we have discussions about what do you want? What are you willing to do? What are some of the ideas that you want to have happen? And I give him advice. But you know what? You go and talk to most people. And I'm not just talking about this generation that's coming up. I'm talking about all generations. It's I already know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know where I'm supposed to be going. What are you doing about it? Well, it just hadn't happened yet. Well, guess what? Your transformation is going to come when you decide who you are in Christ Jesus. That your joy inexpressible is going to be something that, that when you actually say, Jesus, love me, and now I receive it. Now it's just going to exude out of you. You know, you can't choose people if you're not willing to choose yourself. That's the truth. You need to choose to say, nope, I'm worthy of being loved because of what Jesus did. I want everybody to say that. I'm worthy of love because of what Jesus did. 
Now, other than that, you're not worthy of any love, okay? So we have to understand that the gift of God came with a price. And that His love is, I loved you when you didn't look good. How many people know that you hadn't always looked good, right? How many times you roll out of bed and you're like, your hair's all going crazy and you got stuff all over your face and you're like, ugh. Well, it takes a little bit of time to like sandblast some of the stuff off of you. Get your hair combed. Go take a shower so you smell good. You know that Jesus loved you no matter what. See, the love of God was given to you freely. He didn't ask for anything. You know, when people go, well, you know, I I would go witness to those prostitutes, but, you know, they actually have sex with people. Well, you know what? It would be good if you got them saved and then cleaned them. But you can't go ask the world to go clean themselves up and then come to Jesus because it doesn't work that way. Everybody looked crazy. Everybody had issues. Some people get saved and they still have issues. That's why the transformation in Christ. You know, Romans 12, it says that we need to not be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's an every day that I'm being renewed. All right. It says, I got a couple things here. The world is loving the way that they know. Self-perseverance, they take offense to everything. And what can I get? Well, you know what? If I'm loving that way, then that's, that's what's going to come out of me. That's what I'm going to try to get. And it's just not going to work. Let's go to the next one. So receiving. Joy comes from the love given. In John chapter 15, it says, The Father, uh, in verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So what we see here is what happened in Galatians, where it says that love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this part of John didn't get written in the Galatians, okay? Where it was, hey... Love because you first were loved. You know, a lot of times we go, just love, just love, just love, just love. Well, you know, there's a lot of times where love tells the truth. I have to choose to love people. If my son was doing something wrong, I can't go, well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I just, I I want him to like me. Well, if he's doing something wrong, it'd be like if I get, you know, if there was strychnine poison right here and all of a sudden he, it was sitting right beside a cup of coffee and he went to go grab the strychnine because he thought it was coffee and I knew the truth. Well, it might offend him if I go, Caleb, don't do it. I don't give a flip if I get him upset. I love him so much that I got I to gotta stop him. I got to tell him the truth because I choose him. You know, the agape kind of love is the God kind of love. And it means that I choose love. I choose to love him. It's not the brotherly love where it's like, come here, buddy. It's not the, the eros love where it's like, ooh, well, I'm attracted to you. Do you know that 
that the agape kind of love says, I choose you no matter what. And it says here in, in verse 12, it says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay one's life down for a friend. Do you know that, that in everything, God's not asking you to lay your life down for people? Okay? I want to make that abundantly clear. God's not asking you to go out there and jump in front of a, a moving train for someone or whatever. No, He said, I did it. Jesus did it. See, we live from the love of Jesus. Jesus lives from the love of God the Father. You see how that chain of command works? God the Father is love He's love, He's love, and He gives it through Jesus. We accepted Jesus now that we have it. We have it in Jesus. Give me the last slide, guys. All right, this is the last one. We'll go ahead and get Matt to come on up here. Joy is greater than happy. And I'm about to prove it, okay? Just like perfection is the enemy of good, Voltaire said that. We use that all the time at work because I always will say, I'll always go, okay, that's good enough because if you keep going, we never have a product. We never have something that we can use. We need good enough. We don't need perfection because perfection is something you'll never get. And see, that's where most people believe happy is, is in perfection. Chasing the feeling of happiness is the enemy of joy. You know that, that when we can't have perfection, when we can't have happiness, then we just go, well, you know, yeah, I can have that joy stuff, but I'm really, I just feel like I'm one step closer to getting my happy. Well, you'll just never, you'll never live the God kind of life. And even if you don't even want to live the God kind of life, let's just say you want to live the kind of life that is, I'm just... You know, I just want to live a regular life. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in any, you know, turmoil or anything. Well, guess what? If you decide that you want to just chase happiness and whatever your idea of happiness is, God will be sitting there going, I'm, I've got everything laid out for you. I've got a plan for your life. If you always chase luck and fortune rather than the gift of God, you will always be disappointed. You are favored by God. Everybody head bowed and eyes closed. You know, in life, we have to make choices. We have to, we have to decide which way we're going to go. And I'm going to ask is there anybody in here that has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Just raise your hand. Everybody's eyes is closed. Everybody's head's down. Nobody can see anything. There's nothing to look at here. I'm not that good looking. If you want to get your hand up, we can get you saved today. Amen. I got a bunch of saved people here. Amen. The second thing, and I'm not going to ask for hands, but I just want to give you a second to think about this. That if you've been chasing happiness and you've not allowed God to, to give you the joy that you were looking for, that, that you are in depression, you're in, you're in, um, 
you're in dire straits, then I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I just pray over each and every person that's in here that I pray that this message that you've brought to light this morning, that people are going to think about, am I chasing after happiness or am I actually just receiving the joy of the Lord? That Do I have that joy inexpressible? And Father, as they go through their week, I thank you, dear Lord, that you're just going to be opening their eyes to things that are causing them to be depressed or maybe causing them to have issues, Father, where they're not able to go and um, where they're not able to make headway or, or, or room in their life for anything, that they're not able to go to the next step, that maybe they've given up. And Father, I thank you, dear Lord, that you're giving them strength right now to just continue on. And Father, I just thank you. I I praise you that each and every person is going to walk away from here more free and more healed and that they're going to be finding their joy. Father, I just pray over everyone that is here and everyone that's at the sound of my voice. I pray in Jesus' name that as they go forth this week that you just bring people across their path that you bring them to a place of of being able to minister in their world and be able to, to change their world, Father. They may not be able to change the whole world, but they can change their own world. I thank you, Father, you've given us authority to speak in every situation. Father, I just pray over everybody as they leave today. Let them have a great week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.